My name is Dina Jabor, and I am part of the Chantilly Community Group. And our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 through 25, and 2, verse 1 through 16. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Central Church. My name is Josh Kim. I'm an assistant pastor here at Christ Central Church. We're glad you could join us as we gather to preach through our sermon series called This is Christ Central, where we are uh, highlighting our mission statement, which is freeing people to enjoy God, hear His truth, grow in diverse community, and engage the world with renewed dignity that comes from Christ. Today, we'll look at the second phrase of that mission statement, which is hear His truth. And um, before I begin, I actually told this to Pastor Brown recently as well, but this is, I'm taking a lot from his sermon that was preached three years ago on this sermon. And actually, this is actually one of the first sermons that I heard Pastor Brown preach. 
as I was uh, listening to him online. And uh, we may sound very similar if you are familiar with that sermon three years ago, and it should be. Uh, why? Because, again, this is not only Pastor Brown's vision. It's not only my vision for you, but if you're a member of Christ Church Church, it is our desire that this is our vision, not man-made vision, as we'll see from the scripture, we're expounding upon that, but it's a vision that we see the, found upon the scripture, and it's presented to us as God is calling this church to be a church uh, with a purpose and a mission uh, that comes from Him. And especially today's topic, as we talk about what it means to hear God's truth. According to Pew Research study in 2016, it says that 87% of people ages 18 to 26 uh, look for a church based upon a sermon that is preached. Um, in fact, people who are 65 years and on over, the numbers actually go down. I found that they're very surprising. Only 77% actually find the church based upon quality of the sermon as a number one reason why they choose a church. And I'm sure many of us are not that different, right? As we look for a church, if you have moved to Charlotte, um, you're looking for a church with, along with many other things, a sermon, the word that is preached on Sunday. And we also do that too. We also encourage you to check out and listen to a sermon, especially if you missed the Sunday service that day. And we realize that the Word of God at the center of it all should be at any church, um, the heartbeat of a church, main focus, as they say. Especially it makes sense in light of the, the research that's shown here in Pew Research, but not only because the Pew Research says people are looking for it based upon the sermon, but when we look into the Scripture, Especially when 2 Timothy 4, Paul telling Timothy said, preach the word, right? Preach the word. It is gospel imperative that we as a church center our ministry on preaching of God's word. It is gospel imperative from scripture that we're called to preach the word of God, preach the truth of God, who God is, not only because we got a good preacher in town or whatever it may be, but because it is the power of God to save the lost. And in the day and age where there's so many experts out there, so many truth speakers, not to mention fake news and manipulation, we're called to preach the word ever more so faithfully, the truth according to scripture, what God has to speak to us today. But church, I believe that is half of what it means to hear his truth. Not only we're called as a church to preach the word faithfully, but as we look into the scripture again, according to Apostle um, James, he puts it in James chapter 122. But be doers of the word, not only hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Do you guys hear that? Not only listen to the word, but also be doers of the word. Apply this in your life. Yes, on one hand, our mission statement is absolutely clear that it is commitment to the truth of the gospel, be faithful preaching, teaching of the word. But on the other hand, it is just as crucial that you and I hear the word of God, not be swayed and waves uh, and be tossed by the waves of the day, as Apostle Paul warns to Timothy again, saying, for the time is coming and people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. 
Church, this is not only true back in the days, but absolutely true today, where we are tossed by the waves of the ideas and the the so-called truth experts out there, and we often go to hear only things that we want to hear. Oh, how fitting and challenging our mission statement speaks to us today. Not only are we to be faithfully preaching the Word of God and to share the Word of God, but we as a church of Christ is to listen, put it into practice, and to live out the truth of God in our lives as God has spoken to us. In, the other, in, the, in another word, in the words of Pastor Brown, who preached on this, he said, we are called as a church to be the gospel illuminatis. And not like the Beyonce and all those folks out there, but we're called to be, rather be illuminated by the gospel. That means having our eyes open, spiritual eyes and hearts open to the message of the gospel. So quoting Pastor Brown again, he said, it is the mission of Christ Central Church to live out and to become the gospel illuminatis. As in the very public but mysterious way, God has chosen to reveal the hidden power of his truth in the Bible through regular people just like you and me. The question we're going to answer through this text today is, so what happens when you become a gospel illuminati? What happens to you when not only you hear the word of God that's faithfully preached to you, but you as God's people embrace the word of the Lord and live the word of God in your life? What happens in your life? And let's turn to 1 Corinthians to see what Paul has to say. And first thing we find is that, in fact, If you are gospel illuminati, someone that hears his truth, Paul says you will lose. You will lose. The school year has started for many of our children, and my son is in a first grade in person for the first time. And as a father who is thinking, realizing that uh, he will learn a lot, but also I realize I'm never going to be there all the time to care for him, to watch for him, to defend him, to push the other kid if he pushes him back, all this stuff. So I realized I need to help him to learn to defend himself, right? So I enrolled him in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, <laughs> realizing, yes, he's going to put people in an arm bar and all this stuff, right? So I was like, this is great. We got him in there, and then I, as, I, as I was researching this uh, academy, and uh, I was realizing what was going to happen. I went to free class, and I realized the first thing that I noticed is that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu techniques start by getting attacked first. In fact, majority of the time, I found my son on the mat, losing, right? And the whole academy's uh, the, the model, the heart says, your child will learn to lose, and he will learn to lose well. And I said, what is this? I'm going to walk out of this. You, you don't want your child to lose, right? You want your child to win. Go strike. But in fact, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu says, actually, it's not about striking the opponent. It's about losing so that you could gain control. So one of the class was when the guy is on top of you punching you, you um, grab his leg in some way so that he doesn't blow a death blow on your face. That's the class that they learned, actually. That's what it is. And you know, church, when we look at 1 Corinthians, it seems like Paul is telling us churches are all about that too. It's actually not about winning. It's about losing. It sounds a lot like losing by being part of God's church. 
That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, doesn't it? And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Church, according to the Apostle Paul in today's text, message of the gospel comes us as weak, comes us foolish compared to the authors, the writers, the philosophers, the celebrities of the day. And well, at the center of the gospel message, even that, the climactic center of the message of the gospel, Paul says, is not here comes Jesus with the mighty power, outstretched arms, healing and overcoming. In fact, at the center of the message that we proclaim from the church of Christ is Christ crucified. Christ crucified. In the eyes of the world, this is the gigantic failure. The fact that people will believe this is a mystery, Paul says, because in the worldly standards, this doesn't make any sense. Who wants to sign up for that? Not only in the times of Paul, but look at just the, the bestseller list and the New York Times bestsellers, right? There's no way your book is bestseller if it says, we're going to lose today, right? Your leader will fail and die will leave you, Right? There's no way you find those things like that. All the bestseller list says your best life, right? This is how you could manage and succeed and be prosperous and do all these things. So if you think about the title of the gospel, it says Jesus crucified is not something that will sell off the market. For some of us who are already believers, we may think, well, actually, they are the foolish people, right? But just, I'm asking you to think about purely from the watching world, as Paul is saying, to see your leader who loses. A leader who's crucified like a criminal on the cross. You realize it is foolishness. It is weak against the movers, the shakers of this world. And Paul, again, agrees with that assessment. To those who are outside, it is foolish. It is gibberish. It doesn't come together. That's why he says in first, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block, something that you stumble over because you're like, what is this? To, um, to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You see, the Greeks were the smart people of the day. They ran the universities. They sent intellectual centers. The Jews were the religious spiritual elites, and they wanted this religious center and talked about spiritualities. For both of them, they do not get what they're seeking for in the gospel. Quoting Pastor Brown again, he says, The gospel, the Christian message, wasn't appealing to either extremes and to anyone in between at best. So here is the mystery of the gospel church. And this is what happens when you hear God's truth and you put it into practice in your life. I guarantee you, 
you will lose. We're a church that does not promise prosperity. I know many times the church has adopted that throughout the history, but we believe according to Scripture, church does not promise prosperity. Just because you come and sacrifice to give and put your child through Sunday school does not mean, mean they will turn angelic. Does not mean that your 401k will quadruple overnight. Rather, what we often find is you will lose. You'll lose in the ways that are aligned as follows. First, you'll realize this life is not about you as you listen to the Word of God. You'll lose by realizing that, well, the idea that this life was about me is not there anymore. It's not about what you want. It's not about what you get. Hearing His truth tells us that you are created in His image, that you're so bad to the point where God has to send His Son to be crucified. And it starts with the transformation of your mind, soul, and heart. It doesn't give you a new set of ideas for you to get better. Rather, the gospel says you'll lose because you need it. And the gospel gives you a new heart and new mind. And you realize it's not about me. And you start losing yourself. And second, the gospel begins to do something strange in you as you lose yourself. All of a sudden, you start giving up your Sunday nap, Sunday football. Are you? <laughs> Sunday football. You start giving here, there, giving to the church, giving to the needy. You start looking outward and thinking, what about them at my loss? What about those who are going through hard times, not as much on 401k per se, but more so on the need of the city and need of those around us. You begin thinking, not my children and family, but what about God's family? And you start finding people who give up their life in the States to go overseas to purely preach the gospel, as we will see in coming weeks with our missionaries going out to the mission field as well. They will save fools, lost cause according to the world, but the truth of God sets us free takes us eyes off ourselves to see who God is, to realize there's more to life, church, than just living for the next big thing, whatever that big thing may be. That's why it is called the foolishness in the eyes of the world. But Apostle Paul embodies it, even writes about it for generations. In describing his ministry, he's not saying, look at me, look at me what I did, but he's saying, look at my weakness. He's not saying, look at all these great churches I planted in Ephesus, Corinth, Galatia, and all those places. But rather, he says, my ministry is highlighted by my weakness. Again, in chapter 2, 1, he's saying, and I came to you, brothers. I did not come with proclaiming you the testimony of God with lofty speech of wisdom. Here, Paul is saying, I stunk. I did not make any sense. I don't make any sense in my life. I was a Jesus crucifier, right? But now I'm preaching the gospel. But somehow, in some way, it works. I've lost myself as I preach the gospel. I lose the sight of who I am. And I realize Christ's purpose in me is greater. Christ central. if this is our mission statement of our church, then we'll be a church full of people, dare I say losers, that lose themselves in light of others. And we'll strive to be a church to preach Christ 
crucified. Not only the pastors here who are preaching from the pulpit, but all of us, we embrace the message of the gospel to say, not I, but you. And as we do that, our lives will change. Not because we did something, but because God is something doing something in us. We will lose our right. But the second thing that we see is that you will gain Christ. You will gain Christ. As we become gospel illuminatis, the first thing we will do is we will lose. But we see that we will gain Christ as a result of losing ourselves. I got this off of Hesse Brown's sermon as well, and he was talking about whiskey, how whiskey is made. And he said he watched a a documentary that talked about the whiskey. And I realized it's not just how whiskey is made, but all the other spirits. I actually saw a documentary about sake as well and how sake is made. And if you think about how this spirit, aptly titled, is made, its effectiveness and how good it tastes and all this stuff is actually drawn from ordinary things. If you think about spirits, oftentimes the bourbons, the whiskey, is from water, right? Like the dirt, and all this stuff, you realize sometimes barley, and those things are distilled, and they're in a barrel, and for a long time, and out of that, it draws out the spirits, the liquor, the bourbons, the whiskey. Same thing with sake. When you distill this, you put it in this barrel. The rice, water, the enzyme, the yeast are the what makes the spirits the spirits. Here, Paul tells us the gospel works just like that, through the ordinary means, but in a spiritual way, drawn out to be a powerful agent to change, to impact this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that man which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, but they are folly to him, but he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things for himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as to instruct them? But we have the mind of Christ. Church, hidden, implausible, this gospel is spiritual truth. God's truth is spiritual communication between God and humanity. According to 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Meaning, the God, the Holy Spirit, lives and breathes into and out of this ordinary authors who wrote it. About what they can see and feel. This isn't like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, using the spells like that, but close to that, God, the Holy Spirit, invisibly takes the faithful preaching and giving to the Word, the supernatural, spiritual, not the spell, but to do the work in our soul in the world today. The gospel, just like the whiskey, sake, all the Spirit, gets the supernatural work of God drawn out 
through germs of faith, the heat, thirst up of faith, out of these ordinary, simple, underestimated stuff. Below market goods, the spiritual stuff comes out of that. Something that could change, affect, to transform the world. Pastor Brown described it as Holy Spirit bringing the revelatory truth out of the barrels of our souls. And this is what happens, church, when you and I hear His truth. Yes, we may lose in the eyes of the world. Yes, we lose what we once consider our end goal, but something else happens in your life. The Holy Spirit transforms and washes us. Those who are called by Him, those who are chosen, the very message becomes power in our lives that overcomes our foolishness not to only believe in God. The Spirit of God opens our hearts and minds to overcome even our unbelief so that we could hear from the Lord. Hebrews chapter 4 says, For the Word of God is living and active. It's not a dormant, just a book with a bunch of old words. Rather, every time you open up the word of the Lord, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than double-edged sword, piercing into the division of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrows, and the discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Church, what we're doing on Sunday, what we're called to do on Sunday, reminds us that it is not about how well or eloquently we expound upon the truth today. What we're reminded again today is not about how well you live your life and order your life to be present in this place. Our church's calling is not to gather spiritual elites who have their life all put together, who says, yeah, I spent all these things for the Lord. I've done all these things for the Lord. That's why we're here to listen to God speak to us and tell us we did well. That's not what we're called to do. You know what we're, we're called to do according to our mission statement that says, hear his truth? What we're reminded again and again and again every time we open up the scripture is that we are broken people. We're ordinary people, underestimated by the world who give up things to be present in the place of God with hope of a crucified Savior. That means that every time that you and I gather to hear the Word of God preached on Sunday morning, every time we gather to open up our scriptures in our community groups, in our men's ministry, in our women's ministry, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, our vacation Bible school, every time the Word of God is opened, we're reminded again that we're broken people, but God has hope for us. And every time we open the word of the Lord, do you actually believe the word of God is living and active? It doesn't matter who's speaking from the pulpit today. It doesn't matter how eloquent I'll sign to you today, how entertaining I may be, or what kind of program we may have for our children. Do you really believe putting your children through a Sunday school from kindergarten to whatever may be will help them to become a Christian? It's not a program. The reason why we ask our children to go to children's ministry and youth ministry is not because we believe in this magical formula by infusion somehow they'll become Christian, but we believe in the word of the Lord that is living and active, preached into their lives that will make an impact in their lives. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe in a program or do you believe in the word of the Lord? Do you believe in a church of Christ or do you believe in a social club? Church, we're called to be a church of Christ. How often we make this into a social club, how often we make this into preferences, 
things that we want to do or not to do. How often we say this is a, uh, something to do on Sunday morning because we don't want to feel guilty. Or do you really, really believe as you walk through those doors that you're anticipating something to happen? As you walk into Christ Central Church, as you sit there listening to the word that is sung, that's what we sing, right? The words of Scripture. Hear the testimonies of people. The Word of God lived out, coming. And the Word of God opened and preached to you. Do you anticipate, church? Are you hoping, filled with expectation, that God is going to do something? That God is not done with you yet? That God will carry out His work in your life? You know, it's so easy, especially during pandemic, to say, I'll do this later. I have heard so many times where we said, we watch this later. And I'm with you in that struggle, especially for our children. We often wonder as we watch, participate, kids crying in the background and whatnot. I have visited many of you to know that oftentimes you get two minutes, if not, out of our worship or sermon. But church... Do you believe that one moment, one sermon, one community group, one Bible study, that two minutes of God's word preached to you can change your life? Do you listen to what Peter says in 2 Peter 3, 8, 9? But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years in a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Church, remember that. He says, for the Lord, one day is as thousand years. That means that one, ten, or two, two minutes Two minutes with the Lord. Do you believe that God can do miracles in your life in those two minutes? Do you really believe that your children can benefit and grow by listening to the Word of God preached, even distracted at that? Church, are we a church that believes in the Word of the Lord? That's what we're called to do. That's what we are made to do. Some of you may say, Pastor, but I don't remember what you preached last week, let alone a month ago. And you know, I don't either. You know, I wish I could tell you too, but sometimes I don't either. But as my mentor once told me, yeah, you don't grow overnight by eating the gigantic nice fancy steak every night, right? Oftentimes you eat mac and cheese, pizza, whatever it may be, right? Everyday food. And all of a sudden, like years later, you're like, oh, you're so tall. Like, you know? Uh, or in my case, we eat rice and kimchi, right? It's not like you eat steak and grow overnight. You eat that rice every day and you grow. That's what it means every day eating growing with the word of the Lord. And I want you to know this too. This is not easy. I, I get that. But just think about what Paul writes here. Here is a church that he planted who doesn't listen to him, right? <laughs> or discredit him. This dude was the man, right? Smart man, esteemed man, educated, sophisticated, respected at that, headed somewhere. But now he met Christ and he started planting thing called church and his own people are like, who are you, right? This credits him. Some even wants to kill him. He got shipwrecked, right? He got that mysterious weakness that just don't want to leave him. 
He's a broken man. And I was telling Pastor D this week, he, can, he surely needs some counseling, right? He must have diagnosed with PTSD. Lots of them at that. So when he writes that he lost it all, he really did. He's not just merely saying, well, I just lip service, right? But I got all this. He actually really did lose it all. But he says when he gained Christ, what he's saying is, I've seen the power of the gospel at work in my life. And I've seen the power of the gospel work in your life. Broken church, but I see the power of the gospel. He did not look at the brokenness of the church as much as he saw the power of God at work. And that's the path of Christ. Christ, who considered himself lower, taking in the humanity's form, spiritual, Scripture says, humiliated. Furthermore, on the cross, so the glory of God will be revealed. You and I are bought at a price. And that's what it means to embrace Christ, embrace the word of the Lord, hear his truth, and live it out. Someone asked me the other day, Pastor, do you still get nervous preaching on Sunday? Do you still get nervous walking to those steps, wondering what you're going to do? Initially, I thought, well, I've been doing this for 10 plus years, and, you know, I think I got this. But at the same time, I was thinking, oh, but at Christ Central Church, one of the most difficult places for me to preach at because we got so many different people, especially as an Asian-American. I realized I got to contextualize where I come from, try to preach, try to, try to do all my work beforehand, and I realized there's some uh, nervousness at that coming in. But more and more, I thought none of that really actually matters. But yes, I am actually nervous I'm actually nervous coming up to preach every Sunday. Not because I'm concerned about what I'm going to say, although my wife is concerned, or not concerned about how eloquent I'm going to sound. I already know that I struggle with that, and you probably recognize that as well. But I am nervous and excited to see what God is going to do. Even if I make mistakes, even if I don't quite explain clearly as well as I should have, I'm excited. For some strange way, in some strange reason, God has chosen this Sunday morning to bring you to church, every single one of you in different circumstances, sitting here with the Word of God open, and Word of God is living and active, speaking into your life, even if you feel like there's nothing really happening, something is happening. Not because you are listening so well but because the power of God is much greater than your weaknesses. And that's why we preach the Word of God. And that's why we challenge all of us to embrace this mission statement. Not only keep this pulpit and our church accountable in preaching the Word of the Lord, but we want you to embrace, live out the gospel by hearing His truth coming from Scripture. This is Christ-centered church. Let's pray. Let's pray, church. Let's be committed to the word of the Lord. If there is no word of the Lord, what are we doing? The word of the Lord is living and active. He dwells with his people. That today, this moment matters. This seconds of prayer matters. Father, that's our prayer. That as we gather to listen to the word, as we are children, listen to the word, as we gather, it's not about programs. It's not about doing these things. 
but it is about the word of the Lord that can make impact and transform our lives because it is the power of God. May that be true of us as we gather to worship the Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.